This is Francis Widdowson. This is Benjamin Anderson. This is Dallas Alexander. I'm Alex Craner. This is Forrest Moretti. This is Chris Sims. This is Chris Barber, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday. Uh, we are less than a week away now. Saturday, March 18th, S&P Presents in Edmonton. There's still a couple days here to get uh, tickets. Uh, tomorrow, I'm not going to lie, is the uh, the deadline to submit my number of what, what I think I'm going to have in the building. So if you're thinking about getting tickets and you're around Edmonton, uh, go to the show link, uh, or show notes, sorry. In there is a link for uh, SMP Presents Legacy Media featuring Kig Carson, Byron Christopher, Chris Sims, and Wayne Peters. Excited about it. Hope to see you uh, all there. Once again, in the show notes, you can find that, uh, all, all that info. And uh, like I say, I hope to see you there. Um, the, today's show uh, brought to you by Canadians for Truth, their nonprofit organization consisting of Canadians who believe in honesty, integrity, and principled leadership in government. Um, you all know them as Joe, uh, Theo, and Jamie, uh, or Joseph, Theo, and Jamie, and uh, they got a couple of shows themselves coming up. March 23rd, Brian Dennison in Calgary, and then March 26th, Dr. Paul Alexander in Red Deer. Those are going to be live shows as well. All you got to do is go to canadiansfortruth.ca uh, or look them up on their social media. Either way, you can find how to get tickets uh, from them there. Uh, Tyson and Tracy Mitchell, Mitchco Environmental, uh, a family-owned and business, uh, family-owned business that has been providing professional vegetation management services for both Alberta and uh, Saskatchewan, the oil field and industrial sectors since 1998. I keep mentioning that uh, as the sun shines more, it's getting closer and closer to their busy season, which means hiring season is around the corner. So if you're a college student, university student, and uh, you're going to be uh, getting out here soon, um, and you're looking for some work. Or maybe you're just out of high school and you're looking for some work. Uh, 780-214-4004 or go to mitchcocorp.ca. There's no better way to uh, spend the summer months than putting a little uh, coin in your pocket. And they'll make sure you do uh, just that. Windsor Plywood, the team over at, uh, or Carly Claus and the team over at Windsor Plywood. Builders of the podcast studio table for everything wood. These are the guys. I was just talking to somebody about like some of the pieces of wood they have. Uh, whether we're talking mantles, decks, windows, doors, sheds podcast studio tables you get the point uh they just got these uh, character chunks of wood and that's what they are chunks hunks beautiful chunks of wood anyways uh give them a call 780-875-9663 or stop in there today uh profit river the team over there clay smiley and uh his team uh they specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America and pride themselves on making this process as easy for all their customers as humanly possible. They do all the appropriate paperwork, and as we know uh, here in Canada, uh, I mean, every day it just seems like it gets a little more, like, can I do that? Can, can I do that? I don't, can I? Anyways, go to ProfitRiver.com. They'll, uh, they'll answer all your questions. They, that's what their team is there for. They make sure that it's all legally, uh, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed. They'll get it to get it to you, and all you got to do is go to ProfitRiver.com. They are the major retailers of firearms, optics, and accessories, and they serve all of Canada. Don't matter if you're sitting in the Yukon, Newfoundland, or here in uh, beautiful, uh, well, sitting on the border of beautiful Alberta and Saskatchewan. Um, now, uh Sean lost his train of thought. Isn't that, isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> you know what I hate is having no screw, this whole no screw up thing. And I, I know I talk about it a lot, but you know, every once in a while, Sean wants just, you know, I just hit the button. Anyways, screw up Monday. You know, here we are Monday. Gartner Management. I just signed back on for another year in uh, Wade's building. He has been uh, fantastic to me. 
and I look forward to be under his roof for another year. If you're looking for a new spot or, uh, you know, a, a first spot, give away to call 780-808-5025. He can get you hooked up. And uh, I don't know, from my standpoint, he's been fantastic. And I, I, I don't think I'll be steering you uh, wrong that way. Uh, now let's get on that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's an American physician and biochemist. I'm talking about Dr. Robert Malone. So buckle up, because here we go. This is Dr. Robert Malone, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Robert Malone. So, sir, uh, thank you for hopping on. Well, thanks for having me, Sean, and thanks for the opportunity to talk to uh, your audience. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I've had a lot of different doctors, professors, politicians, blah, blah, blah. I can I can go on and on. And uh, you've want, uh, been one that obviously, um, uh, I think a lot of us have uh, seen, uh, you know, everywhere, heard different countless thoughts. I'm a follower of Joe Rogan, seen you on there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So to have you sit across from me for, you know, we'll see how long we go, but uh, I, I do appreciate you giving me some time. That all being said, I would, I would love it if you would humor me, you know, guests come on and uh, I, I would love if you would talk a little bit just about yourself, um, give people a little bit of your background, whatever you think is, is worthy of being in the story. I believe everybody's heard of of Mr. Malone, but you know, at the same time, I'm not naive enough to think that they all have. And uh, certainly, I, I I'm going to treat you just as I would anyone else. Which is, I'd love to have a little bit of fun. And if you want to talk a little bit about yourself, we'll jump into it from there. Well, let's see. I'm currently sitting here broadcasting from an old pig barn uh, <laughs> that I've remodeled as a uh, high end studio uh, uh, on our farm in. Uh, Madison, Virginia, that we've, uh, Jill and I, who's sitting in the adjacent room with the dogs, uh, busy working on Substack, I think, uh, we've we've basically homesteaded this place. Uh, we own about 30 acres and we lease 20 uh, that's immediately adjacent. And uh, when we bought it, it was just raw uh, hayfield uh, with some old buildings, of which this was one built in 1945. And uh, um. Uh, it had no water, no power, no septic, uh, no fences, most importantly. Uh, um, I was originally a uh, farmhand and a carpenter uh, after I got out of high school and uh, through high school and kind of worked my way through college. I'm now a physician and a scientist, but this is our fifth small farm, my wife and I. We just had our 44th anniversary. Uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, um, I, I uh, long ago, as a young man of 28, 29, had a series of discoveries and patent filings and dis invention disclosures and all that, having to do with the idea of using RNA as a drug and using RNA for vaccine purposes and uh, reduce that to practice both. Uh, by myself in cell culture and in embryos and then with other uh, colleagues 
in mice and demonstrated that it could be used for vaccination purposes. I did not work on these vaccines and I did not invent mRNA. mRNA is a natural molecule that if anyone gets the credit for inventing it, I guess that would have to be God. Uh, um, so I don't claim that uh, and never have, although the press does have a tendency to want to put words in my mouth and create a straw man argument that they can easily refute. Uh, let's see, I, I uh, have uh, over 30 years of experience in infectious disease and uh, biodefense, uh, mostly you know, in a combination of discovery research in academia and various startups, and then also in uh, uh, industry and as a consultant for many, many years, often working at the interface of small and large business and, and the US government, particularly the Department of Defense in the biodefense space. Uh, there's a lot of uh, chatter and jacketing going on about me about whether or not I'm CIA. I'm sorry, I'm not CIA. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, never have been, and neither has my father or father-in-law. That's another one of the rumors that's going around. Although my father-in-law did uh, manage uh, Raytheon's Special Projects Division and did a lot of work for the agency at Raytheon. Uh, so uh, how's that for a starting point? Car carpenter, farmer... Uh, physician, scientist, and horse breeder. We produce Lusitana horses here on the farm, which is a Portuguese breed. And uh, we just had our fifth foal of the year. So that's five out of five on the ground now. Uh, the fifth one was a filly, the rest are all colts. What, yep. uh, I'm curious, uh, um, when you, when you uh, all your illustrious things, why horses? Oh, uh Horses were the passion that brought both my wife and I together when we were uh, really um, quite young. We've been together uh, since high school. Um, she was uh, 15 and I was 16 at the time. And we used to ride all over the backwoods, uh, the hills of Santa Barbara and along the beaches together. And that's been our shared passion ever since. Hmm. And the uh, other answer is that horses are... You know, historically, uh, they really teach leadership. There's a lot about horses that are, as, as Winston Churchill said, there's something about the outside of a horse that's good for the inside of a man. Okay, so horses. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm trying to get this, you know, it's funny. You have this plan on this side. And what did Mike Tyson say? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Sean's version of getting punched in the face is having Dr. Robert Malone on, folks, and then having audio problems where you're like, oh, man. Here we go. So my plan went out the window. You mentioned right off the hop that you're not a CIA guy. You know, I got to be honest, Robert, you are in this realm of all these different people right now where it feels like everybody is attacking everybody. Not just not and not just simply doctors. I mean, across the board. Yeah. It is strange. It is beyond strange at this so, point. So it's not just strange. There's a phrase for what's going on. It's called bad jacketing. And it's a longstanding FBI strategy. There, there are a lot of paid uh, disruptor infiltrators right now um, in the scene. I was just talking to a colleague uh, who has counseled me from time to time, a very experienced media person who is currently trying to help Bobby Kennedy, who is uh, suffering the same fate right now of being accused of being controlled opposition and 
working with vaccine companies. It's, it's absolutely absurd, but there's, there seems to be some natural tendency for uh, humans to want to gossip that's amplified by the kind of uh, mean girl kind of thing that goes on sometimes in groups. And uh, the vector sum of all this is really dysfunctional. Uh, but you have to, you know, it's, it's another part of having to grow a thick skin if you're going to be in this space. Uh, it's, you know, I've had to come to terms with the ugliness of corporate media and their complete lack of ethics and willingness to basically do anything to advance their agendas and their narratives. And, and now I've, you know, for about a year, I've had to deal with various, uh, you know, people motivated by a lot of different things in this space. There's, there's always jealousy and professional jealousy. That's kind of an overlay on top of everything. There's also a business strategy of uh, amplifying uh, outrage. Uh, and it's super good for clicks and followers, uh, you know, saying outrageous things. And if I was to, it's a little bit like what happens when you have some uh, young person uh, shoot up a school. If the if the press amplifies the name, then there's suddenly a wave of, uh, of copycat activities. And the same thing happens with these, these practices. Uh, and if, if, I, if I start naming names of people that, that engage in this strategy, it'll only get, spur them on to greater heights and generate even more people. Because the problem with now having a following in the way that I do, is that it's I'm I'm an easy way to leverage up in terms of followers and clicks, etc. By or or anybody, Bobby or anyone else, uh, by saying something highly controversial about somebody. Oh, did you hear thus and such? Right, uh, and then that gets amplified. That gets clicks. That gets followers, and it, they come from both sides. They come from the attackers and the defenders. Uh, and it and it just turns into a little firestorm. It's very profitable if you're if you're in the business, whether you're CNN launching a monkeypox, for instance, or you're a modest uh, podcaster with thirty thousand followers who wants to get to sixty thousand. The easiest way to do that is take a shot at take shots at people that are sitting at uh, a million or two million followers. I guess I guess I must have a weird brain because I, I I hear that and I go, man, that sounds like a tough way to live life, you know, like taking pot shots at people and then like because that's what you spur on. You're gonna create something that is um, difficult to live in. I would think, you know, like that's just creating chaos to be certainly, I guess, to get more prolific. I, I don't know. I I hear that and I'm so like, I want no part of that. Actually, the the term that's used for many of these people is chaos agents. Uh, and, and a significant number of them are actually funded to do this. It's one of the, I mean, what we're talking about, by the way, mm. just to put a pin on it, are fifth generation warfare strategies. And uh, that is a very complicated battlefield. It's, it's uh, if you come to terms with what fifth generation warfare is, and you're, you're cognizant of that uh, landscape and battlefield, 
it it your eyes are open to a lot of uh, complexity in in social media and, and the internet in particular, but really in all forms of media. You know, when you when you like rewind the clock, Robert, you go back to I don't know, Robert's a young guy, forty four years ago. You're getting married. You're you know you're just like green or you know a little bit green to the world you're you're stepping in you ever think you know because this would put you at what 60 how old are you today 60 uh about 64 64 geez you got married young um yeah when when you when you look at the 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 road you've traveled did you ever think you'd be sitting here talking about fifth generation warfare and how they're trying to uh, basically use it on you to try and discredit you and all these different things? Uh, obviously not. Uh, at the time I got married, I uh, was so poor. I was unemployed. And uh, I was so poor that the deacon of the church offered me a job sweeping the floor in the church. Uh, shortly afterwards, I got a job in construction uh, in Santa Barbara in uh after that, decided to go back to community college. That's all I could do. Uh, you know, I couldn't afford to go to, to a big school. And uh, basically bootstrapped my way up, my wife and I, together with uh, support from her parents. But, uh, yeah, there's no way that I would have imagined uh, today, and, and nor I think would most of us uh, that have... Uh, you know, lived through the last few decades. It's it's been an amazing time, and and as if the last few decades weren't crazy enough, the last three years certainly are. Yeah, the last three years have been something else. I mean, I I don't even you know. Uh, hopefully, years to come when my kids get older, I'll be able to sit down and chat to them a bit about it, and and try and put it into uh, some comprehensible sentences although i suppose they can go back and listen to all the podcasts that have happened through the last chunk of time you know and get a feel for it like a a real feel for what's going on week by week day by day almost uh and, and that'll be interesting i would think and you know if it was a time capsule and you fast forward whatever it is 20 30 years i assume that will be um well interesting if nothing else yeah, so the, the problem with your assumptions there is um, what's called memory holding. Memory holding? Yeah, it's a George Orwell coined the term in 1984. Uh, that in, and this is uh, Steve Bannon's point. It's from his frame of reference, the only thing that's likely to survive in, through the future is going to be the printed word because uh, there's such an active effort to remove information from the internet that is uh, contrary to the interests of the government and various other entities. Um, so that's, that's the term memory holding is. Uh, There's a great example of memory holding uh, the other day when Project Veritas dropped the uh, honey trap clip of that young gentleman that they uh, got that was uh, from a, a senior executive at Pfizer. And uh, within about two hours of when he, when he was uh, revealed, let's say, in the Pfizer uh, Veritas video clips, almost everything about him had been scrubbed from the internet. 
his LinkedIn profile, any other social media, pictures of him from when he was in college, all information. And then after that, there was a concerted wave of bots and trolls that started uh, advancing the logic that the person never had existed and that this was all a, uh, a subterfuge and a ploy to entrap Project Veritas, and by extension myself, uh, and James O'Keefe. That fortunately uh, didn't withstand scrutiny because it turns out that people had already uh, screen grabbed a lot of that information and archived it uh, before it got scrubbed. And uh, also another person from Pfizer, another whistleblower stepped forward and uh, shared, uh, one moment, uh, and shared uh, internal organization charts that showed that the gentleman was in fact employed at Pfizer in the way that he said he was. But the whole episode was a great example of, of the power of uh, large corporations, transnationals to control information. As part of that, for instance, the Daily Mail in the UK, one of the largest English language publications in the world, put out a story about the Project Veritas uh, reveal from Pfizer. Uh, and within 10 minutes, it had been deleted and the Daily Mail denied that it had ever been there. Another example of memory holding. Does that unnerve you? No, that's just the way things are. Doesn't unnerve me. Fortunately, as a young person, I, I, went, I was in the gifted and talented programs in California back when California really cared about education as opposed to, you know, leveling the playing field for everyone. And uh, I, I, was, uh, I, I was tracked and read, you know, all of the classics, uh, Orwell and Huxley and um, uh, the death of Socrates and, and pretty much all of Shakespeare when I was uh, in fifth and sixth grade. So a lot of this stuff is really embedded into my brain. Uh, going way back to basically when I was a child. And so none of this surprises me. And then after that, I became uh, another passion I share with my wife is we love science fiction and in particular cyberpunk. So a lot of all of this was anticipated by the likes of Sterling and William Gibson and, and, uh, and so many others. It's funny. I, I, I've read 1984. It unnerved me. And I always say, you know, you better have some, uh, Something light, and and if if you're just tasting that for the first time, uh, you better have a, a a comedy special or a funny movie or whatever you need to brighten your day after you get through it. Because at the end of that, you're like, oh, that that is a lot to take in. But funny, I, I don't recall the memory holding. I, I I don't know why I can't even that term doesn't even uh, yeah. It was amazingly prescient. Uh, um. And you, uh, you may or may not know that Huxley was Orwell's mentor. Uh, there's a great video clip out. Um, if you ever look up the animated series uh, um, titled After School, S-K-O-O-L, it's a fantastic animated series. And they have a interview from Atlas Huxley from 1962 that's absolutely worth watching. Uh, and it's you can search after school Huxley and Orwell, and pull it up. Uh, it's it, you know all of this. What what folks if you're if you're not in 
into this kind of stuff. A lot of what we're experiencing now was originally planned uh, in the 40s and even back to the teens in terms of uh, globalization and uh, global organization and uh, the uh, UN Agenda 2030. Uh, this has all been in progress and planning for a very long time. And that's not conspiracy theories. You can look it up and see the stuff. Uh, Orwell, in an early edition of Brave New World, uh, wrote a foreword in which he, I'm sorry, in, in an early edition of uh, 1984, wrote a foreword in which he predicted that the future of mankind would be one in which we would all be uh, basically pharmacologically controlled uh, through, you know, the, the use application of medicines. You know, you can think of young men in Ritalin as an example. And uh, that the only way to escape this future, this totalitarian future that he was uh, anticipating was if uh, society would make a concerted effort to try to develop a decentralized political structures as opposed to this increasing centralization and globalization that we've seen march uh, through history since those times. So do you think it's inevitable then that uh, we, we careen uh, you know, closer and closer, I call it to the sun, but, um, you know... Uh, the Icarus metaphor. Yeah. Uh, uh, flying too close to the sun, right? So your, our wings melt and we crash. Uh, so is it inevitable? <clears throat> That's why this book uh, that Jill and I put out, Lies My Government Told Me, has the tagline and the better future coming. Uh, it, I don't think it is inevitable. And I think that one of the silver linings that has occurred over the last three years is that um, many of us, and Huxley would say it's typically about 20 to 30% of any population is highly resistant to propaganda and hypnosis. Uh, so for those of us that are kind of in the bin of awake, we've been able to see a lot of things that, for instance, I never thought, um, even with my background and my exposure to those classic works, I, I never thought that we lived in a world in which we had such profound control of media by governments and third parties. Uh, it's, it's been a rude awakening to encounter uh, the harmonization of global media and propaganda uh, through the last three years. And really what's behind it is fifth generation warfare and, and the technology involved in that. Uh, I, I never would have imagined that. And yet now we can see it. Uh, we can see these various uh, plans and operations that are in progress from the World Economic Forum. And they're quite open about them. Uh, of course, there's the famous, quote, Great Reset and the Great Narrative. And you know, we used to all be told that those were, uh, you know, conspiracy theory and propaganda. But in fact, those are the titles of two books authored by Klaus Schwab as the first author. Uh, we, we uh, you know, who would have thought uh, the person that actually announced the Great Reset first before Klaus Schwab wrote his book is the current King of England. There's a lot of stuff that we can see now that we couldn't see before, or at least uh, those that were seeing it were considered to be uh, 
you know, tinfoil hat wearing Looney Tunes. And now here it is. It's in the present. It's in our face. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? And I think the solution still is the one that Orwell proposed, which is driving towards decentralized matrix structures um, as opposed to these centralized command economy utilitarian structures that uh, are being advanced by various um, groups, including the World Economic Forum, as they, in their own words, attempt to shape the future for us towards a fourth industrial revolution, uh, transhumanist uh, future that they speak of as the coming singularity in which uh, mankind will take control of his own evolution and uh, God, the concept of God will be obsolete. It's funny. Um, if you'd said all that two years ago, I probably would have been like, uh-huh. Okay. You would have flipped the switch. <laughs> right? Except, you know, it's funny. Uh, like, I... And so would I. <laughs> you know, as the first time somebody came here to the farm to shoot a video long ago, they were jabbering on and on and on about the Great Reset. And I thought, okay, well, I, you know, they're here. I got to play along um, and uh, be nice to these guys. They've traveled to shoot this video, but I'm not going to talk about that stuff. I don't know anything about that. I've never been to Davos. And then I had uh, Mary Holland come visit from Children's Health Defense. So she's the uh, acting director of Children's Health Defense. And uh, she's a perfectly reasonable, highly intelligent, um, you know, extremely competent lawyer. And yet she was jabbering on about the Great Reset. And my wife and I, when she left, we both kind of looked at each other and said, I don't know about Mary Holland. And but we decided that we had to look into it. So we got Klaus Schwab's book and we started diving into the World Economic Forum. And by God, everything she was saying was true. Uh, and now it's our group um, uh, that... We invested a few months of labor in tracking down all of the uh, young leaders that have been graduated from the Young Leader Training Program of the World Economic Forum and building a massive spreadsheet with all of their names and their graduation dates and the fields they work in and where they come from and all that kind of stuff. And it's now the most comprehensive list available of people that have come through this World Economic Forum indoctrination program that Klaus Schwab, by his own mouth, says, you know, he's so proud that he has inserted these people into government and industry all across the world, most notably in the uh, cabinet and the government of Canada. Um, so we have Krista Friedland and Justin Trudeau and Gavin Newsom and Governor Inslee and uh, Pete Buttigieg and, and uh, a host of others that have basically been trained in this World Economic Forum indoctrination program. It takes five years to get through it, and you have to be selected. There's certain criteria that they never tell you. No one, everybody apparently has signed some sort of a non-disclosure agreement, so no one will tell you, you know, ask Tulsi Gabbard, who's a graduate and has apparently uh, uh, rejected the WEF. Um, she still doesn't talk about what their training program was. The, the, the WEF seems to put pretty good handcuffs on them uh, to talk about what goes on in that training program. But the, the list of people that have graduated or are tightly affiliated with the WEF is really quite remarkable. Uh, a, a strong case can be made that the, 
government of Canada has basically become a WEF client state without a shot fired. You know, it's, um, I think it's really important for people to hear what you said right at the start. You know, I, they, they came and they talked about, um, uh, the great reset and all these different things. And I was like, yeah, sure. But I'm not going there. And then you had somebody that you respected come and talk about it. Yeah. I don't know about that person, but you made the step of maybe we should look into it. Cause I, you know, I think for a lot of people, they are stuck on why is it more people aren't like just like opening a book, taking a little stroll down, like maybe these people aren't freaking insane, uh, you know, because as it goes along longer and longer and longer, uh, you know, if you haven't uh, strolled down that lane just a little bit, just to see what's sitting there right on an open site, open page, read some books. Geez, I mean, listened at this point, Robert, I was, you know, I joked at the very start about, uh, about you. It's like pretty sure 99% of my audience knows exactly who you are, but in case they don't, you know, um, you go like, all you got to do now is just is open up some podcasts. They're all sitting there, uh, you know, and and they certainly haven't all been scrubbed from the internet. Uh, the well, books or, are or, all sitting well, there. Here's part of the reason why, because most people go to Wikipedia, and and so if you go to Wikipedia, what you find is a highly edited bio of mine, um, and it's. There's, you may not be aware, there's another wiki called Wiki Spooks. Have you ever heard of that one? <laughs> I can't say I have. So, you know, wikis are, are ubiquitous. There are many different wikis. Um, and so Wiki Spooks is one that was set up to capture information about the intelligence community and people that are touching on the intelligence community and biodefense and those kinds of things. So I have a Wiki Spooks page and uh, I didn't create it. It just, uh, I don't know who did. But they have tracked the editing on my Wikipedia page and hunted back who the main editors are. And um, most of that editing has been done by um, an entity, I, not a person. I, it's, it's an entity who goes by the name Philip Cross and who has as their self-portrait on their Wiki editor page literally a sock puppet. Okay, that's that's what he has. It's a sock puppet, you know, a, a sock over his hand, and he's taking a photograph of it, interacting with his keyboard. And uh, Philip Cross, quote unquote, uh, works seven days a week and pretty much twenty-four hours a day. Has edited pretty much anything that has anything to do with, for instance, ivermectin or any of the docs uh, that have spoken out against the vaccine or the for the management of the COVID crisis. And uh, he's been tracked, he or it or whatever has been tracked to MI5. So it appears that what you have is Philip Cross is really a surrogate sock puppet for MI5 uh, team that is busy manipulating publicly available information on Wikipedia. And we know now it's, it used to be, this is another thing that used to be considered to be uh, a conspiracy theory, the 77th Brigade in the UK. But in fact, now it's been confirmed that the 77th Brigade, which is a military unit that uh, provide that whose job is to engage, among other things, on social media and engage in fifth generation warfare propaganda and has been active all the way through uh, the COVID crisis in reinforcing the narratives that the uh, British Army and government wishes to have reinforced. 
Uh, and this all came out recently when one of the members of parliament in the UK acknowledged that he is actually a member of the 77th Brigade. So what you're saying is for the standard person who doesn't already uh, see a whole bunch of what's going down, if they do the simple things of check a Wikipedia page, they're going to stumble across Dr. Robert Malone. They're going to go, this guy is a crazy man and don't listen to a word he says. And they're going to go, oh, okay, that's all I need to know and walk away Absolutely. and carry on with life. Or, or here's a fun exercise. Try to find my Joe Rogan podcast on Google. You'll never get there. If you go to the Spotify search engine, you will never find it. You, you have to actually know the podcast number. I think it's 1757 or something around in there. Uh, and, and go into Spotify, type in uh, Rogan1757 or use uh, um, <laughs> Brave or whatever, and, and you'll find it right away. But if you try to go through Google, uh, you'll never find it. My name alone is Toxic on Facebook. Uh, the um, And we'll get things banned. It used to be it get, got things banned automatically if it was on YouTube. And uh, um, if you search my name on Google, uh, you will typically get... Uh, the uh, hit piece from the Atlantic Monthly right at the top, which was written, a horribly written piece from a young gentleman who usually writes for the Journal of Higher Education in favor of wokeism. Uh, it's, it's absolute garbage in terms of journalism, but it is, it, it is the one that uh, asserts that I'm a liar. And this, this is kind of this theme that I'm a liar and I misrepresent what I've done in the past uh, and, and my role in the, in the technology um, is a common theme that's uh, repeated in multiple um, corporate media outlets. And that's what people see. That's what comes up. That's what is at the top. You got to be you got to be willing to dig a little further. I, I was just curious. I, I I subscribe to Spotify, and I'm like, really, Spotify is doing that? that well, isn't that interesting? So type in in your name, and the first top result is COVID nineteen guide. Isn't that funny? You know, and uh, I actually can find. Yeah, you scroll down, and it's in my playlist. Oh, there it is. Yep, it's yep, in my playlist. But but it's by it's not the Joe Rogan. Uh, episode right so like here here's joe rogan it shows that you're you know it doesn't show that you're on there obviously it suggests that but somebody has created a playlist with your episode on it so that you can find it <laughs> that's yeah, what they've done 57 if you want to find it that's what you have to search yeah you gotta so, already know so, what you're looking for so it, it does come up robert but some guy got smart enough that he went in put it on a playlist so that it actually bypasses whatever they got going there. Because normally, if you toss in other names, it comes up immediately. I mean, it's Joe freaking Rogan, guys. Like, I mean, yeah. on Spotify. So, this is, uh, so there's another example Steve Kirsch captured in real time. And and this also happened, by the way, uh, with the um, Project Veritas drop about Pfizer and that young man. Um, when, when I said these words on Joe Rogan, mass formation psychosis. I like to joke these three words that cause Silicon Valley to lose bladder control. Um, when I said mass formation psychosis, the next day it just exploded in trending on Google. And, and people captured screenshots showing Google 
manually manipulating search results so that the many podcasts that I and Matthias Desmet and others had recorded about mass formation psychosis um, going back six, eight months were all downplayed. And uh, the one podcast that had like 20 hits before that um, and was some guy saying this is all bunk was the one that anybody could see. And this is all captured in real time. Uh, the manipulations, manual manipulations of Google search results is something that they will do anytime there's something that starts trending that is not to their liking. I'm, I'm uh, you know, it's, it's funny. The, uh, I'm looking for, I think it's the Isaac group and I, no, maybe it's not that. What is it called? The, the underground press of the Soviet Union. I had, uh, uh, it was Francis Christian, a doctor out of Saskatchewan, come on and, and talk about it. And I um, can't remember now uh, what it's called, uh, Robert. And I'm, I'm doing my best here to multitask. Oh, no, it's the Samizdat. That's what it is. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Um, the Samizdat is a form of dissident activity across Eastern Bloc in which individuals reproduced censored and underground makeshift publications. That was, uh, you know, like... Uh, Certainly, uh, um, oh my goodness, it, it, my brain today is just is not happy is not happy with me. Uh, that's right. <laughs> it's funny uh, because I hear what you're saying. Gulag Archipelago. I was trying to spit that. Yeah. Out. Oh uh, yeah. Of course, the Gulag Archipelago. You know, and how and how that came to be. Anyways, um, he talked about the underground, and and what I see happening right now. It's really interesting to watch, but it can be infiltrated very easily because if you do something that's convincing, it'll get spread the same way. So then you have to, uh, you know, decipher truth from fact. But in the ver very early days, if you did an interview with Joe Rogan, which he did, and certainly I think everybody watched or a healthy majority of people watched. But rumor what, has it, it it popped over 100 million. Well, here's the thing. What happened uh, was... It hit my email inbox, my text message, my group chat, blah, 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 blah. Boom, 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 boom. And and certainly if Sean, on a very small scale, uh, interviewed somebody, uh, and the one that comes to mind was Dr. Eric Payne when we were talking about kids and and giving the vaccine when it was first coming out here in, Ca in, in Canada, and maybe even the United States at the time too. What happened was that interview was so popular it spread like wildfires through the same group chats because everybody was like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen it? It's still going on to this day. So they can scrub everything they want. But if you're a part of that group, which a lot of us are, you're going to find everything. Everyone's going to see it. You know? But the problem now is, is to decipher what is meant to be there and is good for you. And what is a load of just hogwash because there's that going on through there as well. And well, it can, that's, So that's, that's, that's part of the 5GW and I'm not talking about cell towers, uh, that's going on is we have professionals and, and many of those are military subcontractors and also subcontractors to our organizations like Department of Homeland Security that are busy um, interacting with those communities. And, and there's a variety of subterfuges. There, there are known infiltrator disruptors that uh, came into the uh, Canadian trucker pro protest towards the end and were involved in disrupting that. And were, the same people were active in disrupting the American trucker protests. 
And one of those individuals, you can find information uh, in, a, in a website called the Themis Report, T-H-E-M-I-S Report. Uh, the um, Bonita Files and uh, the Themis Report can both be found through that website. Is is a a woman who has got a long serial history of this kind of stuff, and uh, somehow wormed her way into the good graces of Peter McCullough, and then leveraged that out into a number of other communities. Um, that's that's part of the strategy is that these people often find some angle that allows them some entry into the community, and then they will network out through that. You bring up McCullough. Have you just talked directly to him? I I, I always oh, assume times. I assume always from this side. And and if I'm wrong, Robert, just tell me I'm wrong. I always assume that when I think of yourself and others, that you guys are talking daily. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if you guys met. We used daily. to. Um, there there has been so much of this kind of bad jacketing activity. Uh, so much has been spread uh, that. Many of the formerly aggregated communities are, are fragmented, which is the intention. So there's no pulling it back? Like, I, 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 pulling what back? The bat, the, the, I, I, I just assume, and I, I guess this is my me being naive. And so you'll have to, you'll have to forgive me on this side. I just feel like a quick call from Robert just clears up like, Hey, listen, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't on work here. like that. Um, I've tried and other people have tried. Isn't that wild? That, that to oh, me, there's a lot of complexity here, uh, Sean. Um, there's people that have lost their livelihood. There are people that are racked with jealousy. There are people that are trying to build uh, um, income streams. There are people that are engaged in various sales schemes. Uh, the Substack is paradoxically both a good and a bad uh, because people get revenue from, from Substack. And as I was saying, part of the way to build your Substack following is to say outrageous stuff. Uh, and then you get subscribers and followers because there is a whole cohort of, as I mentioned, I mean, haters are going to hate and uh, trolls are going to troll. And uh, people seem to thrive on this gossip and negativity. Well, it's, it's extremely destructive. I have, I, I was frankly one of the early ones to start warning people about this. I don't know why I saw it. It feels like all through this, I've been a little bit at the tip of the spear um, all the way through. And then, um, you know, people again and again, like, for instance, at one point I had Bannon telling me, stay in your lane. You know, don't do things like talk about the WEF. Uh, and now everybody talks about the WEF and it's a mainstream topic uh, in, at CPAC, uh, you know, and, and many of the conservative forums and, and, of course, online. And everybody talks about it all the time. Uh, as one of the main issues here. But uh, there was a point in time where uh, it was quite bold for me to be talking about it. And I was told, hey, just, you know, you're supposed to be a medical guy. Shut up. Uh, and likewise, I warned people about a lot of these practices that I was seeing bubbling up that were really tearing groups apart and uh, was told, oh, no, you shouldn't talk about that. You know, you shouldn't even mention it. Uh, 
you should try to make nice with this person or that person. And then I would try and other people would try and that this or that person would be like, hell no. Uh, um, and uh, now I'm having people come back to me saying, oh, the things you were telling me six months ago, I'm now seeing it. And I now uh, understand what you were talking about. Uh, so I don't want to name names or get into it any further. No, I, no, no. And, 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 and so I apologize for keep bringing it up. Uh, um, uh, I'm not actually, to me, Robert, uh, less interested in with the personal uh, ongoings of Dr. Malone. I, I, maybe that sounds uh, ridiculous to say out loud. I, I just, I see from where I sit, this same type of thing that you're talking about happening in multiple uh, different groups across the board. They found absolutely. their way in. And honestly, absolutely. That's what, what I'm saying. There are absolutely professional paid infiltrator disruptors, as there always are. Bad jacketing is the term for this, uh, for instance, uh, universal uh, weapon um, uh, in which people are accused of being uh, controlled opposition. The accusation of controlled opposition is akin to the question, have you stopped beating your wife? There is no way out of that. It's, it's the best metaphor I have is, you remember the old Monty Python sketch from, uh, I think it was uh, uh, the King Arthur one. Um, uh, Search Holy for Grail. Holy Grail? Holy Grail. Remember the, remember the witch uh, sketch, sketch? She's a witch, right? <laughs> And there's nothing that she could do to prove that she wasn't a witch, right? Uh, you know, the logic was, oh, if you throw her in the water and and she doesn't sink and she rises, then she's a witch, right? Yeah. And I mean, if it, you drown, she obviously it, wasn't. And it's oops. the same logic. Uh, and you just and, you just went up in my my father's books like tenfold uh, by bringing up Monty Python. Just saying. <laughs> well, it's it's a perfect example. I mean. Monty Python all the way through hits on some amazing uh, human behaviors like Life of Brian talking about the uh, Palestinian People's Front versus the People's Front of Palestine or whatever it was. You remember that segment? Uh, all that divisiveness. I mean, that's talking about the same thing of, of all of this, you know, oh, you're not uh, with us. And, it, you know, I, I wrote a couple of essays about this on Substack talking about the French Revolution, and maybe they went over people's heads, but uh, the time of Robespierre uh, in, in the council is a great illustration of, of this whole phenomena of jacques, where um, you're accused of something, and often the accusation is that you're not sufficiently radical. So this is another thing that's going on. For instance, yeah. I refuse... Uh, that, you know, there is a whole cohort of people that are adamant that there is no such thing as a virus. Now, I'm sorry, I'm a virologist, okay? <laughs> I've spent much of pictures of viruses, isolating viruses, growing viruses, passaging viruses. There are viruses. I'm sorry. That's, that's just the truth of it. There are bacterial viruses. There are plant viruses. There are human viruses. There are mouse viruses. They cause cancer in some cases, all kinds of things. Okay, viruses exist. But if there's a cohort of people that if you don't deny the existence of viruses, then you are absolutely controlled opposition. Um, if you deny that graphene oxide forms the crystals, despite the fact 
that Raman spectroscopy shows that those crystals in some of those vials are actually cholesterol. And by the way, cholesterol is a major component of the formulations and graphene oxide is not. But if you deny the existence of graphene oxide crystals, you are the devil incarnate to many people. I mean, that's this splintering. And the problem with, with this kind of stuff is it's a, it's a perfect opportunity for those who wish to uh, disrupt and to demoralize or delegitimize people is to come in and say outrageous stuff. And uh, then, then a certain cohort will say, oh yeah, I believe that outrageous stuff, you know, and, and everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and start repeating the outrageous stuff because it gets clicks and people pay attention to it. Oh, this is the latest outrageous stuff. And then uh, lo and behold, in swoops the press and says, oh, look at all of these conservatives have gone batshit crazy because they all believe that there's no viruses or, or they all believe in Sasquatch or UFOs or whatever the thing is, right? Well, let me, let me ask you this then, because uh, to me, this is a very real problem. I, I, I don't have to know all the stories of what uh, Dr. Robert Malone is going through to understand that I have seen it in different communities that were once healthy and are now falling apart. I've had people walk into the studio that I very much respect that uh, have background in the, you know, the freedom convoy and different things like that that say, just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is the most bizarre thing. And when I listen to you talk, I go, okay, I think, I think we all know what's going on then. We just don't want to acknowledge it. One, I think that's easy enough. Two is, you know, I got this, um, I'm, I'm, I'm literally putting on a show about legacy media, you know, you call it what you want, corporate, mainstream, doesn't matter. And how do you pull back what they're doing? I mean, here in Canada, we have, you know, we have mainstream media that has oh, bailouts, you're, you're, money. You're a uh, client state, like I said. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. So, so you bring all these people in. would go down this path. But you, you, you have, you bring all these people in because there's lots of good people that want uh, to get the the voices of the right people out, because I'm, I, you know, I I hear your story. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I've, like, I'm probably just as bad as anyone. I don't need to judge anyone. I'm as bad as anyone. I see a headline, I go, oh, okay, well, that's kind of strange. Like, well, I don't know why they're doing that, but okay. And somewhere in the back of your brain, it just lodges there, even though you haven't gone and and looked at all the different things. There'll be studies on this, and I understand that and everything else. And I go, for me, it's like. We have all these brilliant voices that are popping up all over Canada. You've, I've seen them happen almost one by one, and certainly I'm a, I'm a little player in that, nothing big. It's like, so how do you compete against a media that is getting billions of dollars to do exactly, play a part in exactly what you just said? I don't have the answer. I, I'm well, curious if Robert has that, the answer. Okay, I think I do. Um, and it's something I lecture on. Uh, and if you care... Uh, there's a, you can search my uh, talk in Stockholm from about a month ago on uh, fifth generation warfare and sovereignty. Uh, a lot of people found that talk uh, a real eye opener. Um, in Canada, we have clear documentation, multiple press accounts, and your version of Freedom of Information Act that is. Uh, clearly and thoroughly documented that your military has been involved in fifth generation warfare against your citizenry during the last three years. It's unequivocal. 
And these are very powerful psychological tools, nudge technology and, and all these other things. And uh, they have been, they were designed to combat uh, fourth generation warfare, basically asymmetric uh, insurgency activities such as Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. And uh, um, they, you know, what, what people often, the naive don't recognize is that pretty much all the social media platforms are actually fifth generation warfare tools. Twitter is both a weapon and a battlefield, for example, and particularly was, uh, you know, before Elon came in. But it's absolutely still a battlefield. Uh, Twitter, Twitter was deployed during Arab Spring by U.S. intelligence. Okay, Twitter is a weapon. And people don't recognize what's going on with these things. I've written about it and provided examples. I've had clients that uh, were developing add-on tools for these kinds of applications, uh, uh, validated tools that can look at, in an in a algorithmic way, can look at the words you're saying and extract your emotional state from those words and how you use them. And then tie that into, algorithmically, to mapping all of your uh, cloud of contacts and statistically evaluating where you sit in that cloud of contacts in terms of your own uh, stridency, anger, uh, um, whatever the emotion, there are multiple emotional uh, parameters that are searched and, and derived. And uh, that's how decisions are made. People think shadow banning is something personal. Oh, they've got it out for me. They're going to shadow ban my account or whatever. That's bullshit. That's all algorithmic, and it's being done so that it crafts and influences what the people that you're interacting with hear and think and believe. Okay, the battleground in fifth generation warfare is the battleground for your mind. It's not for territory. The idea of battling over territory is obsolete now. That's that's first through third generation, and to some extent fourth generation warfare, and kinetic weapons and all that. That's all yesterday's business. Um, and obviously, in Ukraine, we still have third generation warfare, but uh, the battleground right now. For instance, here's a great example of fifth gen warfare. Did you read Seymour Hersh's piece? on um, uh, the uh, the pipelines that got blown up. Nord Stream. Oh, uh, on Nord Stream. Yeah, sorry, right? yes. Right? Yes. And so, so the press comes out and denies what he says. And, uh, and time goes by. And now, apparently, there's a new uh, thrust vector that uh, Germany wants the hell out of that whole Ukraine shit show. And so all of a sudden, over the last week, we've had a bunch of stories pop up. I don't know if you noticed. All across the world from main corporate media, like in Germany and the United States and many of the other allied nations, the NATO nations, uh, promoting the idea that these were uh, Ukraine dissidents of some kind that were responsible for this incredibly sophisticated operation of uh, you know, blowing up these... Uh, highly uh, concrete encased uh, pipelines at, at the optimal particular location off the coast of Norway. Somehow, you know, eight, eight Ukrainians in a sailboat 
uh, dove uh, to these incredible depths and planted these depth charges and then uh, triggered them through a sonar buoy, a pretty sophisticated stuff for a bunch of Ukrainian dissidents. Um, you know, uh, but that's the new story and it's being promoted unilaterally all across the world simultaneously. And it just happens to provide very nice cover if you happen to be the German government wanting to get out of Dodge and an American government starting to say, uh-oh, we're in a, a, a quagmire right now. We're in quicksand and we don't know how to get out. And uh, we can say, oh, it was the, the bad Ukrainians that were responsible for that. And suddenly we've got an out diplomatically. I mean, all of this stuff that we, we think we're understanding that's being pitched to us, you got to look at where it's popping up and, and who's promoting it and how it's being promoted. When it comes out in a synchronized fashion like this, you have to. So, um, another example was China. This is part of what provoked that. China came out with this position they're going to back Russia against Ukraine, remember? They're going to back them politically, they're going to back them by joining the BRICS alliance, which, by the way, is in a good position to totally destroy the American economy if uh, Saudi Arabia goes to BRICS currency instead of the dollar for the petro exchange, okay? And if that happens, we're going to have hyperinflation in the United States. Uh, and so China makes this uh, chessboard move, and uh, within a week, suddenly, out of the blue, uh, the Department of Energy and the FBI is announcing that uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology is responsible for releasing this virus. And everybody says, oh, is this new information? And, the, and Chris Ray comes on and he says, it's the only thing he'll talk about, okay? He won't talk about whether or not Fauci funded it or anything else. He'll only talk about that. And he says, oh, and we've known this for a long time. Oh, but by the way, he refused to give that information to Congress, but now suddenly he wants it out. And everybody wants to point fingers at China as China, it's clearly a, a retaliation, a quid pro quo, in a sense, because China uh, did this move with Russia, and now we got to hit China in the nose uh, using this new strategy. But the nuance is we have to do it in such a way that people don't turn around and say, yeah, but where did the money and the technology come from, right? Um, and so that's what you see. Uh, it's, it's when you, once you can see this stuff, um, it, it all, you know, it becomes faintly amusing. And I guess that's part of why I, I have been able to grow a thick skin and withstand a lot of the stupid that gets thrown at me is because I know that a lot of this is uh, manipulated and it's actually fairly transparent, except for those that are still hypnotized, which unfortunately may be 70 or 80 percent of the population. So you come back to 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 media, getting different people that are all trying to pull, in my estimation, and could there be a bad actor or two in there? Certainly. Um, but for the most part, are trying to pull the, the similar direction. How do you, how do you, you talk about hi people being hypnotized. How do you snap the finger and get them out of it? So I, thanks for that. I talk about this all the time. Uh, I spoke about it to the conservative uh, MPs in the Carlton Club in the UK uh, three weekends ago. Uh, there's two key messages I'm, I'm trying to put forth these days. Number one, 
learn what fifth generation warfare is. It's not just a phrase. It's a whole technology suite. It's a way of approaching conflict. As I said, your mind is the battleground. Your emotions, your thoughts. Just to put a pin on that one, you probably think of yourself as a sovereign individual, given who you are and the nature of your podcast. You're a sovereign, independent, free-thinking individual who makes up his own mind. Those, that, that concept of your personal sovereignty is obsolete. It's an anachronism. In a world in which everything that you think, every bit of knowledge that you're exposed to is intentionally manipulated, your very emotions are intentionally manipulated using high-powered um, psychological um, psyops warfare tech that's been deployed on you. Um, the idea that you have personal sovereignty when everything that you're thinking and believing and exposed to is manipulated is obsolete. Now, as Huxley points out, for about 20% of us, we are completely resistant to that kind of hypnosis and that kind of psyops. But for most of the population, they're either readily hypnotized or somewhere on the gradient uh, of, yeah, it, they're susceptible. Because this is highly refined, field-tested, battle-tested tech that's been deployed. Okay, point number one. Point number two, because of this, you'll recall for those of us that are, let's say, awake uh, or not, haven't been um, in the narrative about the jab or whatever, uh, we've been subjected to some pretty ugly stuff. There's been nasty things said, you know, uh, we should be allowed to die. Uh, we shouldn't be able to get hospital uh, treatment. Uh, we shouldn't have blood transfusions. Uh, we shouldn't have uh, organ donations. Uh, we should be basically placed in concentration camps. We should be locked in our homes. We shouldn't have government privileges, uh, Mr. Trudeau. Uh, we should have our trucks seized because we're parking them and honking them. Uh, we should be subjected to mounted troops that are attacking us, even though we're in peaceful protest, right? That goes on and on and on and on. Um, uh, that's, that's the thing that we've been subjected to over the last three years, particularly the last two. And it's really easy to hate. It's really easy to be angry. How could you not be angry after experiencing what Canada has experienced? And so when you encounter these poor souls that are in the grocery store with their face nozzles or Grandma Smith or your sister or the people in your daily life that have said and done all these ugly things, don't come to Thanksgiving, um, you're going to kill Grandma. All that messaging, which was, was absolutely promoted um, and inserted into your mind and inserted into the body politic, it's easy to hate those people. And if you keep hating them, there is no way that you're ever going to be able to bring them along the path to actually understanding what's happened here. You have to somehow reach for that Christian charity, open your heart, forgive them to the extent, not don't forget what's been done, but somehow for the average person in your life, you're going to have to forgive them if you're ever going to build a coalition that's more than 20 or 30% of the electorate or you're just going to get stomped on 
for the foreseeable future, and so are your children. We're all going to end up indentured servants. If you want to win, you've got to figure out some way to communicate with those people that have said all those hateful things. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't hold uh, Krista Friedland, Justin Trudeau, uh, Klaus Schwab, Anthony Fauci, uh, go on and on on the list, accountable. They absolutely have to be held accountable. But for the average person in our daily lives, and I like to use the metaphor of the poor soul in the grocery line still wearing the face nozzle, don't hate them. You know, they're, they're hypnotized. They've been subjected to this propaganda, and they're not as strong as you are. Um, and they have uh, been twisted by what's been deployed on them. The other key point in all of this if you take the time to learn and understand fifth generation warfare, it's a little bit, the first thing that'll happen is it's a little bit like understanding how marketing works. Once you understand how they sell you hamburgers, chocolate shakes and candy bars and Cocoa Krispies, uh, suddenly all that stuff kind of bounces off of you, right? And you know how it is with your kids. Your kids are like lambs to the slaughter for that technology, for modern marketing technology. But once you can, once you learn it or you teach your children to see through it, then suddenly it doesn't work so good on you. Likewise with fifth generation warfare and this kind of psyops propaganda warfare. Once you understand their tricks and tools, they don't work so good on you anymore. That's level one. The next thing is, if you start practicing these methods, because there's characteristics of fifth-gen warfare, number one, it is intrinsically leaderless. You should never know who the leader is. It's intrinsically decentralized. It's low energy. You don't have to have an F-18 or an M1 tank to engage to be a fifth-generation warrior. You don't have to have an M1. Uh, you don't have to have an AR-15. Um, you can engage in fifth-gen warfare and play the same damn tricks on them that they're doing on us. I advocate that you please hold yourself to a higher ethical standard and don't lie. Um, but if you learn the technology, then you can deploy it yourself. And what happens if you start thinking that way is you're no longer a victim. You can become a warrior. And the key point is that there are probably maybe 100,000 of these kinds of military-grade cyber war warriors out there that have been trained. We're millions and millions and millions and billions, okay? When, as I said in Stockholm, <clears throat> the uh, Fort Bragg unit in the United States Army that uh, grew out of the Ghost Army of World War II, uh, that is one of our most advanced PSYOPs divisions, has a total of 800 soldiers. And I was addressing a crowd in Stockholm of 1,300. And I said, if every one of you decides that you're going to be a warrior instead of a victim, we've got more people on keyboards than they've got. Okay, And that's just one little conference. So those are my two key messages is if you want to win over uh, a substantial fraction of the population so that we don't keep losing elections, uh, that assumes that we have fair and free elections, by the way. Um, uh, then you, somehow you got to bring those people in the persuadable middle along and you're never going to do it if you're full of hate and anger because they just won't trust you. They won't listen to you. If you're, if you're attacking them because they aren't sufficiently with you, um, you've lost the war.
And, and the only people that win in that scenario are our opponents. And if you learn the methods of fifth gen warfare and the technology and what they're doing and how they're doing it, then number one, you become resistant to it. And number two, you can start deploying it on your own side um, for your own purposes. And keep in mind that the thing that made Al-Qaeda so incredibly frustrating, the reason why the U.S. military has, won, has lost every single fourth generation asymmetric war all the way back to the Viet Cong is because they are decentralized. And in Al-Qaeda's case completely, after they killed Osama bin Laden, um, they, that, that then emerged as a movement in which there was general strategic objectives conveyed by mullahs and others, you know, kill Americans was the only main edict. They didn't tell you how to do it or when to do it or you know what how to design the roadside bomb. They just said, do this thing. And you had a decentralized response with independent autonomous cells all over the world acting against American uh, soldiers and American interests. And it was incredibly effective. And the CIA and the DOD and all of the little, you know, fantastic uh, new bomb armaments that we have uh, couldn't really crush it because they would it would pop up here and they would do something. It's whack-a-mole. And then it would pop up there and then it would pop up the other place. And that's that's basically the decentralized strategy we have to use if we want to counter this coordinated effort that's been developed over decades that seeks to put us in a position of indentured servitude. There, I've finished my rant. No, it's... it's um... I'm glad we've talked about this for I I you know once again I I joke uh, you know I uh, I come in like Mike Tyson having a little bit of a plan and then you get punched in the face and audio sends you this way that way and all of a sudden we end where you know we're an hour and plus in and uh, <clears throat> I've held you to this this uh, bad jacketing you know concept and and everything fifth gen and I'm I'm like but I find this very very enlightening I guess is is what I would say Robert I've been you know I've been really struggling with a few different things on this side, you know? And, um, when I, uh, when I listen to you, the next thing I think is like, you know, once upon a time I had this, you know, I, here's a young guy's, uh, you know, naivety when it comes into, uh, different things of the world. One thing was, is I, I remember thinking, you know, there's no group of people that are playing moves out over these slow, long, uh, uh you know, durations of time i thought it's just it's that's impossible and then i read yeah, the, the Sol illuminati then i then i read solzhenitsyn and like in the first 50 pages he talks about the big game of solitaire and, and moves taking months to years till you get the point and you're like ah fuck well sean you you've missed you've messed up on that and then you know you talk about this fifth gen and you, and you talk about different things and you talk you know honestly that this has been uh, you know brewing for some time and i think for the the regular everyday person that is a hard concept to grasp as almost as troubling as it is hard to grasp that that it's been it is, you know it is incredible so um the 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 landscape if once you so there's a saying in this space the only way to win at fifth generation warfare is don't ever play the, the battlefield is so tortuous, so twisted. It's a world in which there are no ethics. 
There's no separation between uh, combatant and civilian. We are all combatants and we are all civilians. Mm. There is no uh, rules of engagement. Everything, it's, it's, it's everything all the time. Anything goes. Uh, there's, there's no ethical boundaries. Um, lying is an asset. You have to, it's, it's like for me, it, maybe one of the reasons I'm, I'm comfortable in this space is I've dealt with the intelligence community for years. And uh, that is a hall of mirrors. They lie all the time. They're trained adept liars. And you have to learn techniques like triangulation. Um, and another technique that's useful is you can detect hot topics because functionally, you know, metaphorically, they'll put an electric fence around them, things they don't want you to talk about or know about. And anytime you get close to that, you'll get a shock. Okay, they'll attack you. You'll have a, you know, if you're if you're somebody with some influence, you'll have a, a piece come out at you by Rolling Stone or Business Insider or whatever the hell, right? They'll they'll or a fact checker will come out and say you're whatever. Um, when you get close to those hot topics. They'll hit you, um, when you when you poke at them. Another of their strategies is the limited hangout. And if you don't understand what a limited hangout is, you better get a clue. Um, so a limited hangout, a great example is this stuff with Nord Stream, okay? Or, you know, or the Chinese Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's a great example of a limited hangout. Everybody's saying, hey, look at the Chinese Institute of Virology. Look what they did over there. Look at all the bad stuff, the CCP, CCP. CCP, oh, don't look over here about who funded that and, and the technology transfer. Just look here, right? That's a limited hangout where they're giving you some limited amount of information that is basically already in the public sphere, but to have it acknowledged by, you know, the Washington Post or whatever, everybody or Politico, everybody says, oh my God, look what Politico is saying now. They're finally acknowledging it and they miss the fact that behind that is other stuff buried that they don't want you to look at. Um, this is also going on currently about the um, international health regulations and the World Health Organization. Once you see these strategies, you can see through them, but it takes a little while and sometimes it can be a little bit of a, a hard lift um, to come to terms with a world in which all the things that you thought you knew um, are become fluid. I The other day, what I thought was the kind of the capstone in all of this, as as I'm, you know, my entire world of what I thought the world was has just been blown apart. Um, then we had Tucker Carlson come out and speak about one of my earliest memories, uh, the assassination of uh, John F. Kennedy. And... Uh, that uh, absolutely, this has been covered up uh, it, by law. It's all the Warren Commission is supposed to be released, Warren Commission reports, and uh, none of the presidents will do it, even though they're obligated to do so by congressional statute. And uh, Tucker asserts that he has an inside source that's reviewed all that material and says absolutely the CIA was involved in the assassination. You know, if once you hear that, if, that, if you accept that as a possibility or a probability, then suddenly you have to confront the fact that 
directors of the CIA and members of the intelligence community and the executive branch have known of that truth for decades. In my case, my entire life. Um, and, and has covered it up. You know, then, then suddenly things like uh, Cheney and Abu Ghraib and the torture and the uh, unwillingness to hold him accountable, all this stuff starts cascading. And you're just like, oh, my God, where is their solid ground? All the things I thought I knew. And then pretty soon you end up in a space where you're starting to scratch your head and go, Am I, are we the good guys or is the world different than the way I thought it was? It reminds me, I've, I've said this a lot, you know, when you, when you first watched the matrix, I can't remember, you know, yes. I remember, I remember the first time I watched it, uh, it was, I was, I was, I was young and, um, I remember my brothers telling me, you got to watch this movie. And it was, and so I watched it on, on a, a TV. It was probably VHS probably back then. Who am I kidding? It was DVD, but you get the point. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see it in theaters. And the first time I watched it, I was like, holy crap, this is something like that was a pretty cool flick. Right. And one of the thoughts I had, Robert, multiple times um, in COVID, me and my brother used to get in an argument about this. I said, you know, some days I just want to be cypher, man. Just stick me back in. Like, I just, I don't want to see, like, you know, go down the rabbit hole of like, how long have they been doing all yeah, this? You, what is you, Red pill and blue pill uh, is, is the now become the universal cultural. 100%. Matter. And the other thing, you know, when you talk about uh, that keeps spurring in my mind is when you talk about bad jacketing, um, actually the Hunger Games comes to mind, which is weird, but I, I think of PETA oh. and the tracker jacker Venom, when he's coming off of all the, 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 if people recall, off of all the propaganda they fed him and then they put tracker, you know, it, it's, I'm like, ah, oh, geez, why have I never thought of that before? Probably because I've never had Robert on the podcast, folks. <laughs> but one of the things that's tough is like coming out of, um, my experience, and I assume this is a lot of people's experiences coming out of like, do, 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 world's a good place, sunshine, and we're the best, blah, 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 blah. Don't worry about anything. And then being confronted with COVID for me and going to uh, Ottawa in particular and seeing what was on the ground and then doing the stupid thing of turning on the CBC and seeing what they were saying and being like, what is going on? Those things, even for me now, is hard to like shake off. And, you know, like, because, you know, I've, I've only been paying attention i suppose for a couple of years and it's still uncomfortable so if you're at day that, one how uncomfortable i use is i'm in a dark room and i inadvertently back into the light switch and i see things and even if you flip off that light switch you can never unsee those things they are seared into your brain and and you're never the same and then you're in this bizarre world where it's almost like retroactive amnesia, where you're suddenly saying, oh, all those things that I thought I knew, I now have to reevaluate uh, because I've learned that the press is not, does not have the integrity that I thought it had. And, I would, and I would tack on- I've been subjected to has been manipulated. And, and I would tack on to that, Robert, when you talk about, uh, you know, going back and talking about anger and hate uh, to, to, the, to the people that, are, you know, can't see it. When you talk about inadvertently backing into a switch, I chuckle. I, I'm going to be honest, folks. I am not some genius. I think by now people know that. 
But I think that makes perfect sense. And I think some people need to understand that they did the same thing. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they're, they're the gift to mankind or anything else. It's like, no, you probably backed into that same switch that all of us did. And um, you got to understand that about people. And then on top of it, it is uncomfortable. Like there's got to be a level of humility here to, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know uh, how to go about all of that. But certainly for people that are are in the first stages of bumping into that switch, A, it's uncomfortable as hell. Two, they might try and turn it off. Like, oh, no, I'm just going to flick it back off. But you go, but now they've seen it. And it, it's it's impossible not to unsee what, you know, like it's impossible. I, I don't know of a Men in Black move yet. Although who knows, maybe they'll they'll bring out the little beef and we'll all go back to just what it was. And, and we can carry on with life that way. But uh, there's got to be a level of humility with some people that are just, trying to un, you know come to terms and grapple with everything that's going on because it you know like it is an uncomfortable i i listen i i'm the first to say i had arguments all the time just put me back in man this is this is way too much and certainly covid was on steroids like i mean on steroids yeah yeah that for me one of the earliest uh epiphanies was realizing that the um, that all of this was globally harmonized and deployed simultaneously. And I was able to see that because I had taken the jab and was able to travel. I took the jab in part so I could travel, and I'm vaccine injured, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, there were multiple reasons why I took the jab. And, of course, that's weaponized against me these days. But... Uh, what do you mean weaponized? People, people think you... You, because uh, I took the jab, that proves that I'm controlled opposition. Didn't you know that? Um, Self-evident. They said, uh, I, "Here's here's my thoughts on it." Uh, not just on you know the trucker convoy from the West was led by this guy named Chris Barber, beautiful human being. He's a giant of a man, and he was vaxxed. And I saw him on stage uh, not that long ago, and he said, "You know, I'm going to be honest. I wore a mask everywhere I went because I just didn't want to." I just didn't want to make somebody else's life, you know, miserable because of my, you know, my thoughts, beliefs, yeah. whatever. He's but, the guy who led the Freedom Convoy. Yeah, but to the point, um, because I was able to travel, I put in over 400,000 yes. miles last year on commercial air, uh, plus a bit on privates. And um, uh, what I saw was that the same strategies, for instance, the U.S. government spent over $10 billion in all of these propaganda efforts that included buying Stephen Colbert and uh, um, you know, the promotions of Big Bird and as Mickey Willis nicely documents in Plandemic 3, uh, the Broadway productions of people dancing around dancing. saying, you know, take yeah. the jab and you'll be free and all that stuff. Um, while that was going on in the United States, it was also going on all across the Western world, probably also in Canada. Certainly and, in uh, Canada. And I, so I was, you know, along these lines, I happened to be in Austria not too long ago, uh, hanging out with a bunch of dissidents. I don't know why that would be. Uh, and um, uh, it turns out, as you know, in Austria and Vienna, the arts are really important there. You know, they, everybody, if you're, if you're not in at least three different uh type of performing groups, you know, a chamber orchestra and a, and a choir and I don't know what else, you know, they, then, then you're a low life. Everybody is into music. Um, 
all of the musicians, all of the major musicians and the influencers, just like happened here, got, got purchased right off the bat, simultaneously, to reinforce the messaging of get the jab. In, if the, the, the depth and capability of this coordinated propaganda campaign is like nothing the Western world has ever seen before. Um, I, I, I couch it in that because of the Soviet Union and China. Uh, but in terms of what's happened in the West previously, there's nothing like this. And what's fascinating about it is if you think through about the, the nation states that have been the most totalitarian, the most egregious, with a couple of exceptions like Austria came pretty close. But they're basically, think about it, UK, US, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia all went crazy, right? What ties them together in the addition in addition to all being former parts of the British Empire and English? Well, they're the they're the five eyes um five eyes alliance, bingo. Yes. Which are the ones that deployed all this and were very active in event 201 in the planning. I argue that if you take a bunch of uh, intelligence folk and people that are prone towards authoritarian solutions and, the, and you put them in a room and you tell them to do uh, pandemic planning and you fund them to do it, and the funding happens to come from the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, what you're going to get coming out of that is a bunch of authoritarian solutions because that's how they're all wired. Uh, and then those authoritarian solutions are what got deployed on all of us, including all the propaganda and all that. And it was absolutely um, wargamed out uh, at Event 201 and the prior war games. And uh, it's no surprise that that's what they deployed. What, what they failed to do, and this gets to Hannah Arndt's point about the banality of evil. Her her point about, you know, this is in uh, Eichmann in Jerusalem is the key book on the finality of evil. Um, her point was that Eichmann was not intrinsically evil. He just didn't think. He was focused on promoting his own career and doing what he was told and doing it as well as he possibly could. And he just never thought about the intrinsic evil of what he did, which was some of the most evil things perpetrated on, under the Nazi regime. Uh, but he was just kind of doing his civil servant kind of a job, you know, and and uh, trying to climb the ladder and get promoted. And, and uh, you know, if being nasty and, and ugly and, uh, um, you know, egregiously harsh on uh, imprisoned persons, uh, including uh, Jewish uh, community people, was what his supervisors wanted, then by God, he'd give them tenfold of that, right? The banality of evil, Hannah Arndt attributes to the failure to think, the failure to reason, the failure to uh, be informed. Uh, and I think what we've got here in a significant part is uh, what Hannah pointed out, which is that we had a lot of bureaucrats that were basically incompetent, not thinking about things, following along with a pre-cooked plan that had come out of the intelligence community and the military largely, which assumed that we had a highly lethal virus, no medical countermeasures that was worth a tinker's dam, 
and a vaccine that was uh, both uh, safe and effective. Those were their input vectors. Those are the assumptions in event 201. And what they never did is something that any military commander gets taught on like day one, which is the first time you encounter the enemy, you revise your battle plan. They never did that. They never said, oh, we better test what's actually going on here. Is this really that lethal? Is this functionally airborne Ebola? The answer was, hell no. But they were very glad to believe the scare and the fear porn that was coming out of Ferguson and the Imperial College and their modeling and all that kind of stuff because it fed right into their preconceived notions. And by the way, they all had a conflict of interest. If you're in the, if you're in the uh, uh, outbreak business, you know, whether you're Pfizer or you're a government bureaucrat um, and trying to climb the bureaucratic ladder, if you're in the outbreak business, outbreaks are really good. And you want the worst possible outbreak because then you can have more power and more money and more resources. It, it, it totally scratches your itch. And that is a key part of what happened. In my mind, we've got three intersecting circles and people make jokes about Venn diagrams. One is failure to think. The other is nefarious scheming. There's no question that nefarious scheming happened. Okay, it did. You know, we had the most massive upward transfer of wealth in the history of uh, the recorded Western world, right? Just a massive, massive upward transfer of wealth. And a lot of that was manipulated. There's no question about it. The other one is complex systems. We have a world that is so complex and interlaced now, this gets to the matrix, that emergent phenomena arise out of that. And at the intersection of complex systems and failure to think, we get arbitrary bureaucracy. Well, that's Justin. You know, unthinking arbitrary bureaucracy is, is what is eating you alive in Canada. Um, at the intersection of failure to think and nefarious scheming, you've got blowback. You've got unintended consequences. At the intersection of nefarious scheming and complex systems, you got corruption. And in the middle of that whole thing, you've got the banality of evil. That's my model for what went on here is not that, you know, Klaus Schwab, I don't think has the intellectual firepower to be the puppet master. Um, there may be somebody up there that is, uh, but is it Bill Gates? I don't see that. Is it Tony Fauci? No, he was a part of the, he's a cog, but he's not the master. I think this was an emergent phenomena of the interaction of multiple things all at once. And it's a huge human tragedy. And I don't know how we avoid ever having that happen again, but the only way that it, we even have a, a tiny chance of avoiding it is if people like your audience here get proper pissed off and decide to do something about it. Proper pissed off. I enjoy that. You know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching time, Robert, and I don't want to keep you too long. Um, do we have a few minute, more minutes or is it time, uh, uh, to, to let you go on with your day? Your, your call, uh, we probably should wrap up if no other reason, then we don't want to make a four hour podcast. Yeah, that's that, you know, it's, it's funny. I, 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 um, I do enjoy a good conversation when I get wrapped into it. I, I lose track of all time and, and, uh, I know that's the, the listener as well. Either way, it's been, it's been really, um, thought provoking to have you on and it hasn't you know disappointed me in one uh at all 
so I guess I'll just wrap up with, with this thought. It's the way we always end a podcast here. It's the crude master final question. Uh, it's his words. He said, if you're going to stand behind a cause, then stand behind it. Absolutely. What's one thing Robert stands behind? Oh, I'm trying. I've been trying really hard to uh, keep the children from being jabbed. That's that's the hill that I chose. Uh, another one is uh, advocation, advocating and fighting for free speech. And the third one is I'm really I am proper pissed off at how the vaccine injured and dead have been treated and gaslit. They must be recognized and they they somehow we have got to treat them with respect and we have to find some way to heal them. And uh, those are those are my three uh, top choices. Is uh, don't jab the kiki is the Hawaiian phrase. Uh, don't jab the kids. Uh, um, free speech and uh, recognizing the rights and the need of. Uh, compensating and healing uh, those that have been damaged by these public health policies. Uh, if you don't mind, could I ask just, I, I don't know if this, is, if, if this is for a completely different conversation, but I, it's funny and I, 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 um, I trust in coincidences, I guess. And so you bring up the vaccine injured. You'd mention yourself, you're vaccine injured. I've been getting, I just had an email from a lady worried about her daughter. And then uh, it wasn't only a few days prior to that, there was another one. And then a few days prior to that, there was another one. All looking for answers, all looking for ways if they've had, um, uh, you know, whether it's the Pfizer, Moderna, whatever, ways to help their body, whether there is protocols, et cetera, like that. Is yeah, the detoxify question. So yeah. I, I, I've just finished, uh, I've just completed uh, the FLCCC Paul Merrick protocol for recovery. And uh, it involves drug combinations, steroids, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, other agents. And uh, increasingly people are supplementing that with something called natokinase. It's a protease that you can buy that's orally bioavailable that seems to have good activity against the hyper cross-linked blood clots that are triggered by spike protein. Uh, one of the things about ivermectin is it appears to displace spike from many of its binding sites so that it can be cleared. So all I can say is an N of one, this is not a medical recommendation, go to your own physician. But in my case, I've completed this protocol and I have much more energy and stamina uh, as validated by my wife and uh, don't ask questions. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I, that's one way to end the podcast, but uh, you mentioned go to your own doctor. One of the things here in Canada that is everyone's screaming at me is none of the doctors will. And I, once again, I, I don't want to put a blanket I, statement. I am so intimately familiar with that. I have Canadian physician friends that I can't even name in public. Uh, that have been at the forefront of early treatment and other things, and they are scared silly. What your government has done is obscene. Okay, well, um, I appreciate you, you doing this and uh, giving me some time, Robert. Uh, um, once again, 
I man, I'm, I'm I might as well just coin this. You know, I don't know. I, I, I say this at the I've been saying this at the end of every podcast now for like three months. So I might as well say it again. You know, I don't know where our paths go from here. I certainly hope they cross again because it's it's been an interesting uh, hour and and uh, thirty minutes, hour and forty minutes, and uh, I look forward to. No reading, and I wish you all the best. I hope, uh, um, you know, wherever your travels take you, the you know, safety is at the utmost importance, and and uh, getting to the, the brass tacks of some of these things, and and hopefully getting some people properly pissed off uh, <laughs> would be in there as well. Either way, Robert, I appreciate you hopping on and doing this. Well, thanks, Sean, and and thanks for uh, taking the time and having the interest. <laughs>